0: Hello, Internet, and welcome back to Kenter at Your Own Risk, episode 43, where Kent, Kevin, and Chris will be discussing our most underrated movies in the horror genre. Last month, we had a nice discussion about the most overrated movies. Um, This is going back and fixing a little bit of a technical error we have, so you might be listening to them out of order, but... Now that we're back and here to begin the discussion, we will be kicking it off with Kevin. Uh, We discussed our criteria that we used last month, so we're not going to be going over that again. Uh, And so, Kevin,
1: take it away. Okay, so my criteria for underrated was movies that were universally hated, mostly bad reviews critically, which is not tough for horror films, as I said. And um, and also word of mouth, and this is a perfect example. Uh, number five, The Lords of Salem from 2013, directed by Rob Zombie. Forty-six uh, percent Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is thirty uh, percent. IMDb five point two, and Letterbox is two point nine. Uh Box Office was $1.5 million on a budget of $1.5 million. This is a movie that I didn't even like uh, when I saw it ten years ago. Uh, I did think the ending was crazy and over the top, but the beginning was really hard to get through because it's so boring. But the ending was cool. Is cool. And the news report at the very, very end, right before the, or during the end credits, made the entire movie click the first time I saw it. Um, it was the best part of the movie, not in like an ironic way either. Um, it isn't a movie I would even recommend, uh, but other people like hate this movie so much, including. I would say the Rob Zombie fanatic. This was one with an exception of maybe the the diehards. Like that they really tried to see the best in this movie. But mostly people thought this was Rob Zombie's worst movie. Uh and especially at the time, I think this was his third third film. Uh or was it no, this was right after the Halloween movie, so um this was his so fifth,
2: fifth, fifth or sixth one. Was this before 31 or after 31? Before
1: 31. So, yeah. Okay, so this, so yeah, this was after Halloween fifth. 2. So this was his fifth movie. Um, and I don't know. Like, I would talk about this movie with, with uh, well, specifically one friend. And he never finished it. He said that this movie was so bad. And then I, you know, also didn't think that I liked this movie And then I would be like, he hated it so much that I found myself defending it a little bit. And he never caught the ending of it because it was so hard to get through. And I kind of, from there was like, maybe I don't hate this movie. Like I should watch it again. And I did try to watch it a second time before I I watched it this time. And I, I fell asleep, uh, but it was kind of late and it is kind of the perfect movie to fall asleep to. um, but I really didn't suggest even like for him to watch the entire movie over again. So it was kind of like a weird place uh, to suggest, you know, like maybe you should just watch the ending, but I don't ever recommend that either to people. So uh, when I found myself defending this movie, which I thought easily was Rob Zombie's worst movie, I I kind of, you know, when this came up, I was like, I'm going to watch that movie again. And see what I really think of it, and it, it's a lot slower directing style. It's not the camera doesn't move a lot. It's almost I don't know. It's 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 strange, but it's very effective. To when you get to the ending, and it's so bizarre, and it was way more bizarre and I think effective the first time I saw it than even this time because I was kind of waiting for it and, it and it didn't completely live up to to as insane as I thought the movie was, but I've seen so much more even since 2000. I don't know. It came out 13. So I probably saw it in 2014. Um, But yeah, the Lords of Salem, I, uh, it is not as bad as, as I think that it is the shit that it gets. And, and very rarely do I, when everyone, anyone does talk about it in a, in a positive light, they, you know, always bring up how much hate this movie has. So, do you guys share the hate? Did you did you see it? Not so bad. Uh,
0: I haven't seen it, but I think Kent will probably have a few things to say about this.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not monsters bad, but <laughs> it is the worst Rob Zombie movie I've watched. I've watched all of them aside from the the monsters from you know House of a Thousand Corpses on, um, I still have a half written blog because I tried reviewing it just this last October. I'm like, oh my god, this fucking movie just keeps going on and on, and it, it should be better. I, I want it to be better. Like if you look at the cast, the cast is awesome. My my guy Ken Forey, he's back. Uh, you know he's in it. Uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips is awesome. Meg Foster is awesome. Bruce Davison. Like so many people in this are awesome. And yet it's the pacing and I I don't want to fault him because historically speaking, if you look at witch movies, they are historically slow as shit. Like they just are. The witch is slow. Like uh I don't know I can't gosh I'm drawing blanks on witch movies. But you know what I mean? Like most witch movies have a very slow burn. So within that particular subgenre, this is probably pretty good. But I just don't like it. It's it is my least favorite out of the the Rob Zombie collection that isn't the monsters. I, I wish I had something more positive to say, but I, I really am in that boat of negativity. I
1: no, I'm I think sorry. you nailed it because I. I- <laughs> Oh the, class the came witch, out. The Witch movies were so boring. So even when I would saw it the first time and would talk about it, I'd be like, man, it was so boring. But also, yeah, but most witch movies are boring. So with that, you know, I had more fun with it than, than the witches. That's the one that I think of all the time. I was so excited about that movie. And I don't know, they're they're not they were not as great. Back when I was younger, they weren't as exciting as the uh, Freddy Krueger coming out of the television and saying "Welcome to primetime, bitch." You know, um.
2: I, I gotta say though, I agree with you. That ending, like the ending's really good. It it really it's one of those movies. I think we can mostly agree that a lot of times horror movies, the first half's usually better than the second half. In this case, it, like it was like the last like ten percent of the movie was so much better than the first ninety percent of the movie. Quite frankly, and the telecast,
1: and the the news the, report the, the, of like an outside perspective yeah. of it, yeah. like made it click, and it made it kind of creepy and eerie. But still, yeah, it is. It's a tough. It's a tough watch because it's so slow, um, and the cameras doesn't move.
2: For people with patience, yeah, it's probably I mean, worth
1: it's it. like an hour and forty minutes long. You know. It, I it, it's a movie that I watched. I didn't like, but it's kind of grown on me in time, even without rewatching it. So that is that is why it's on the list. But I'll end it with that. And Chris, you haven't seen I'll it. End it with that. And Chris, you haven't seen
0: it. No, unfortunately, I haven't seen it, so I can't yeah. can't comment. Sorry. I mean, I could and, comment, yeah.
1: but all right. So the thing about the one other thing about it is, um. It kind of makes fun of the witchcraft genre with through the the radio DJs with all of like the wacky noises and kind of criticizes radio DJs also, and I think it's the closest to an art film that we've ever gotten from Rob Zombie. Uh,
2: Absolutely. So, all right, that.
1: moving on. This is a this is a good one. Number four, Hannibal, two thousand one. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott, uh, 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, audience score 62%, uh, IMDb 6.8, which is pretty decent. Uh, Letterbox 3.2. Um, box office pretty successful, 35, thir- 351.6 million dollars box office on a 87 million dollar budget, which is a lot of money. Uh, in 2001. And today, uh, this is was not a very well-received follow-up to the highly anticipated Silence of the Lambs due to being highly anticipated. Uh, we get Anthony Hopkins back as Hannibal Lecter, but we don't get Jody. Instead, we get our national treasure, Julianne Moore. Uh, and in this psychological horror crime thriller. Uh, It starts off as more of an action film because we, you know, got Ridley Scott this time instead of Jonathan Demme. Um, And the opening shot, it's got a mother with a machine gun getting gunned down, holding a baby. This is great. Gary Oldman is unrecognizable in another great lost in the character performance. Who is kind of a bad guy also to a villain to our villain Hannibal Lecter uh Ray Liotta in a role that seems sort of generic until we get to the climax um and this was really Scott's follow-up to his uh best picture winning gladiator so the stakes were high for this movie I think in every sense um and it's much different in tone and aesthetic to not only we'll say Sounds of the Lambs, but we'll say Manhunter also um, maybe a little bit closer to Manhunter than Sounds of the Lambs. Uh, I think it's much better than I gave it credit for when it came out. Um, and, you know, it like a, like a fine Chianti, it gets better with age. It might not be a better movie than its predecessor, but I do think it's a better horror movie and a better ending uh taboo than silence of the lambs it's definitely crazier and really lays on the the shock and in, in the gore factor so um in, in a discussion of is this a horror movie or not that we brought up really with Silence of the lambs uh You can kind of talk about that now with Hannibal. Do you guys think this is a horror film? It is one that, like, it's when you look up horror films and you see Hannibal in the horror section on HBO Max, you're like, eh, that's not really what I was sort of looking for. But, you know, Ray Liotta eating his own brains having a conversation is probably, probably is more horror than, than an action film. So, all right, guys, what do you think?
0: Go ahead, Ken. I want you to hit this up because I know you did a lot of research on this recently.
2: Um, I'm just gonna say this. Um, I I haven't seen Hannibal in so long that my memory's bad. So to touch on what Chris wants me to touch on, I, I'm I don't consider it a horror movie. And to use Chris's favorite phrase on the podcast is most definitely horror adjacent, which you know. I guess falls into horror. Uh it, it I'm not sure it's clearly like a thriller. <sighs> I I don't know where the line is. Like if you say the primary genre is something and then the secondary genre is horror, yeah, okay. Is the secondary genre even horror or is it the third? I I don't know. Like these movies they they're creepy, they're good, they're they're gory, they're all kinds of things that Make it feel like a horror But at the same time uh, I'm going to say It's not horror but I don't Fault you at all Because you're in the Majority of people that would say You know based on seeing On HBO in the horror section And probably if there were video Stores still I don't know Video stores still existed would it be in thriller I don't know but I, I I don't know it's underrated. It is underrated. Whether it's a horror movie or not, it is underrated. That That's where I can comfortably land with, with this.
0: Uh, all right. So one thing I'm really glad is they changed the ending. Because in the book, Clarice runs off with Hannibal as his little fucking uh, serial killer love child uh, bride. Which is, like... Off? I know, it just feel like a letdown for the character. Um, but yeah, you know, it's underrated. I mean, uh, this is where I fall on the, is it horror argument? And I think horror broadly encompasses three aspects that it, a movie is trying to make us feel, uh, a sense of fear, a sense of unease, an and a sense of disgust, you know? And I think if a movie is primarily evoking all three of those, Everybody universally will gladly say it's a horror movie. But I think a case could be made if a movie inspires any one of those three senses, it could fall into the category. Cause I mean, let's let's be fair. I mean, is anybody gonna deny that Scream or Halloween are a horror movie? But what separates a serial killer like Hannibal Lecter from a serial killer like Ghostface outside of just a sense of aesthetics and potentially, you know, just maybe a little bit more uh, in-your-face violence over the course of the movie. Uh, I mean, all sorts of people find th- different types of things scary. You know, it's been a long time since I found a creature feature scary, uh, but serial killers can usually manage to disturb me. Um, I think... In certain situations where we're talking about Maybe something like Zodiac Which I don't think of as a horror movie But I think it's definitely one of the most unsettling movies I've ever sent, or seen Considering how like Each scene is just basically designed To make you feel uncomfortable um, I don't know But I mean if you were going to say This is horror I wouldn't argue with you If you were going to say This is predominantly a thriller I wouldn't argue with you But I think for the most case Thrillers like this should be classified as a subgenre of horror, rather than excluded from it. Like uh, a lot of the people on your uh, Facebook post seem to want to do. Kent, okay? so
2: I, I was yeah. surprised at at the results. I, like, I was, I thought if if anything the numbers would have been reversed. I so I, I really didn't try to like sway anybody's opinion. I just really asked a straight up genuine question, and I I was shocked. It was like twenty to three. Uh, and, and, I mean, I mean I, I'm more inclined to agree with with you. It's, I, there's just no real way of saying this is horror, this isn't, because every time I've tried doing that yeah. in some particular way, there's like, there's like another movie that comes up. I'm like, well, that's definitely horror. Well, if that's definitely horror, why isn't this horror? And the fucking rabbit hole runs
0: beat. It It does. Uh, and in any case, considering... What we fucking say on this podcast all the time: as long as you're horror adjacent, you're fucking solid and good to go. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, as as much as this is underrated, though, as, if you've ever seen the show, Hannibal, just it like I didn't think anybody could do a better Hannibal Lecter than Anthony Hopkins or Ronnie Cox because I really like Manhunter too, but Mads Mickelson just fucking he took the role. He nailed, He he is Hannibal for me from now on.
1: Oh, cool. i have to check that
0: uh, out. I hope at one point we're able to do that as a podcast. What is it on? Right now it's on Hulu. Oh, and, and Tubi. Oh, yeah. well, I will,
1: yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, the thing about Silence of the Lambs, and then I want to bring that up, because I know I made a point on Kent's Facebook that the comparison to Henry, a portrait of a serial killer, but Henry, a portrait of a serial killer is a horror because there is like a spree of killing people. Silence of the Lambs, the the serial killer Buffalo Bill doesn't kill anyone in the whole span of the film. He kidnaps the girl. He's killed people before the movie, but the only people who really get killed is the at the end jailbreak scene with, and it's Anthony Hopkins. And that shit is cut out because it's like a because we don't want to know that that guy is actually dead. We think that he's getting strolled out of the, the police, so the kill count in Silence of the Lambs is like three people, maybe? I don't know. It's it's And none of them is Buffalo Bill. So it has this whole other tension, and I honestly wouldn't consider Silence of the Lambs horror if
2: Kevin, I, I didn't just throw see that. At you? Yeah. How many people died in Nightmare on Elm Street 5? Three. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like just using stupid numbers like this. I'm like,
1: yeah, I agree. But with the serial it. killer doesn't doesn't kill anyone, and that's that's crazy. I think that makes it a more interesting film than yeah. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Or is it 4?
2: No, come on, Nightmare on Elm Street Five is the the golden goose there, man.
1: All right,
0: all right, all right. All right. Let's stop dissing at Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to think about it again. <laughs>
1: Um no 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 hate no shade no shade. Um uh, okay. So yeah, all right. So we're we're good on that one. Yep. Yeah. What you on? got next for us? All right. Number 3, uh Jennifer's Body 2009 uh directed by Karen Kusuma. The Rotten Tomatoes score is 46%, uh Audience score 35. IMDB 5.4 letterboxed, 3.5 out of out of five, and uh, the box office was 31.6 million on a budget of 16 million. Um, this movie I also didn't, I will don't think I was super impressed with the first time I saw it. Um, but it's great on so many levels, and I don't think I I understood how smart it was on the first watch. Uh, I mean, I definitely didn't understand how smart it was uh, and that's probably because it's the horror comedy genre and I guess the previous success of the the writer Diablo Cody who did Juno it's like Heathers and Carrie and American Werewolf in London and Evil Dead 2 and Return of the Living Dead and Rosemary's Baby all shook up and has its own like original and 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 it's not a cheesy ripoff and it has like a modern feel to it. Also Uh, it's, it's uncompromising as a horror and in its comedy at the same time, Megan Fox wasn't a fan of this movie for being sexualized as a teenager, just coming off the transformers franchise, which is a shame because I think this movie is actually her best performance. She's funny. She's scary. She feels real like a teenage girl, Who's, uh, you know, trying to be much more mature and older than, than who she is, uh, than her age in the movie of being a teenage high school student. Um, and, and especially when she gets in the van, because it's actually like the one part of the movie where you actually feel that she's this like vulnerable over her head teenage girl and not this like confident girl who's getting shots at the bar. Um, and it's the scariest part of the movie along with the flashback when we, you know, get to see what actually happens in the van and, you know, which takes it from this, like, at that point in the movie, when we get the flashback, like, it's this, like, LGBTQ coming-of-age film right into this intense abduction film that we kind of saw earlier to, like, the satanic cult, and, and then straight into meta-comedy and it and it works Um, it's much deeper than the the superficial beauty that we we put on Megan Fox Um, and probably Megan Fox is deeper than that also Um, just like her character Jennifer Um, also Amanda Seyfried uh, is terrific who I'm a giant fan of now and this is probably the first movie I saw her in along with Adam Brody and of course we get J.K. Simmons in a in a funny part. It's, uh, Roger Ebert actually gave this three out of four stars with all of the hate thrown around about this movie um, and called it Twilight for Boys, which I don't think, it, I think that is a disservice to the film, but that was what was big in horror at the time for teenage horror films was Twilight and then we got Jennifer's Body and it was, this whole other thing. And it kind of does have the feel of all the like sexual horror films of the, the 1980s, Um, but done in a really great way. So I, and this movie is, is, you know, has been reassessed and there are some essays about, you know, the, the bisexual lesbian themes of the movie and all of this stuff there, there are, you know, it is reassessed and, and is thought of, in a, in a positive way. So it is not totally universally trash, but it is a movie that, uh, that I don't really, you know, I think maybe someone was like, Oh, it was all right. But most people really didn't, didn't like it at the time. And I, I do feel like it might've been, you know, the writer of Juno, uh, on the cover might've, you know, cause that was a movie that if we were doing just overrated movies, that movie might be on it, but I do like Juno a lot. Um, but I've seen it a lot of times, a lot more times than Jennifer's body. So what do you guys think?
0: Uh, I think a lot of the hate came from Megan Fox for whatever reason. You know, yeah, she might not be the greatest actress, but, um, you know, after that first Transformers movie, she just got fucking shat on all over the place. Uh, and, yeah this is movie is a lot smarter than you know when it came out it was just shit on all I mean I remember people saying you know this was just fucking horrible and uh it's it's not it's not bad it's it's much more intelligent than it appears to be on the surface um so yeah I mean like you i've I've seen um one of the YouTube reviewers that I follow just speak over uh about this movie within the last year about you know, how it's a hidden gem. So, I mean, there is that.
2: Yeah. I saw this in the theater, actually. Um, I I don't get the hate for her, even from a Transformers perspective, because all hate and blame should go to the writers in Shia LaBeouf. That much is obvious. She deserves no hate, no blame. She looked great. She played her part, uh, as well as could be asked, considering the role that she had. I I don't know. I, I don't see a reason to think anything less of her for that. And, yeah, she was good in Jennifer's Body. I, I have no shame in saying that I bought that on DVD. I own it on digital. I saw in the theater, like I had fun with it and you know, yeah, I came in like, you know, okay. I want to see this hot chick and whatever. But like I walked away saying that was a pretty damn good movie. So I, I agree. Oh,
1: great. Yeah. I've, i I definitely am going to own this. This is definitely a Blu-ray.
0: And I, I straight up didn't remember that Chris Pratt was in it either.
1: Yeah. It's a very small part, but, yeah, that's that was kind of like the yeah, it, and the music was good. It was and it, and it was very timely of the time. Uh, so it's it's just you know, I guess yeah, the Transformers thing, and really you know, Michael Bay. I don't know. I he get, I know that Megan Fox was really upset with Michael Bay for sexualizing her because she was, I think when she made that movie, she wasn't eighteen, right? Yeah, she was. She was younger, and and she was made to be this like sexual thing. And I mean, I'm not gonna like defend Michael Bay. I mean, I get where she's coming from, but like Michael Bay, he, you know, everything about like his movies are like the way he films helicopters is sexy, and it's and and it's just the like the aesthetic of it. And I think that maybe working with like you know a 15 or 16 year old girl, he kind of like. I don't think he was like sexually pining over Megan Fox, but when he's making a, a movie, you know, he wants everything to be sexy in it. So from the helicopters, to the explosions to the, you know, CGI. Um, but yeah, Shia LaBeouf <laughs> talks some shit after, and then he talks shit about the transformers movie. So I don't know. Uh, I love Shia. I love, uh, and I have some respect for Megan Fox. um, And, uh, and even the whole me too movement that came out, she was like, oh yeah, me too. And, like all the feminists kind of shit on her also. So she's got like a shitty, (laughs) you know, no one really wanted to hear what she had to say. Um, which is, I'm laughing, but it's not funny, but it's, uh, you know, she got shit on in every direction, you know, you know, she's just doing, doing her job. So. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. All right. What you got on. next, Kevin?
1: Dreamcatcher, 2003. This is my number two. Uh, directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 28%. Uh, the Audience is 35. IMDb is 5.5. 5. Uh, Letterboxd is 2.4 out of 5. Uh, Box Office, seventy four. 5.7 million on a 68 million dollar budget. Uh, this is a movie that I didn't realize that was so poorly received at the time and and I really wouldn't if not for the internet. So when 6 years ago when I started building my movie collection again, I would movies I've seen a whole bunch of times like Dreamcatcher and I've read the book. Um, having the internet on my phone and like realizing the greatness of, you can read all of these, you know, Wikipedia and all these articles and you could go and just read, you know, uh, Roger Ebert's review of the film, uh, when it came out and it, I didn't realize how, how badly people hated this movie. Cause I saw it, thought it was good. I, and, uh, I read the book and it was better, but I thought it made the movie even better. Uh, it, I mean, for a cheesy sci-fi horror, this movie is great, like really great. Um, some of the CGI is dated, but some of it, like the Alien Parasites, I, I think it looks, I think it holds up. Um, it looks pretty good. The cast is, is great, and the story is a lot of fun. Um, if you look up worst Stephen King movies, Dreamcatcher is on most of them. Uh, in the last 10 years, Stephen King has said it's the worst story novel of his, which has hurt it, I think, because, well, especially with the Stephen King fanatics, you know, because if he says his version of The Shining is better than Stanley Kubrick's, then that's what other people are going to say also, um, whether it's their own belief or not, uh, which has, you know, uh, I love the book, and the movie is really close to it up until the end. Um, it was a it was a critical and box office bomb. And the reason it's on the list is that it actually hurt director Lawrence Kasdan's career. And this guy wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. And he did uh, a body heat in The Big Chill, were his big movies, um, Wyatt Earp. And they, it took him nine years to make another movie. And that movie was like, uh, like a $12 million budget compared to this $75.7 million. He had uh, a couple different projects in the works when this movie came out, and they won with Tom Hanks, and it just, you know, went nowhere. They put him in, it was, they called director's jail uh, for a long time. And, uh that movie that he made uh Darling Companion 9 years later has Kevin Kline, Diane Keaton, Diane Weest and they all worked for scale which is like the the like least amount of money they can pay someone in the screen actor skilled so um i think this movie has a a good word of mouth but if you if you on paper it it is trashed a lot so um what do you guys think of think of this one?
2: We talked about this in our Stephen King review, didn't we, Kent? Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. fucking yeah. love
0: this movie. I mean, the one good thing we got out of The Sixth Sense was yeah, that we yeah. got to have Donnie Wahlberg play Duddits because of that. <laughs> I did it. Uh, I I really like this movie. And again as another example of being shocked when you find out that people didn't share the same feeling. Um, you know, like, I had never seen Damien Lewis before. I fucking loved him in Band of Brothers and Billions. Uh, this is where I really think, like, Timothy Oliphant started growing as an actor instead of just being, you know, like the guy from Scream or Go. Um, Tom Sizemore didn't go, like, fucking over-the-top crazy here, so that was always good. Uh, Jason Lee's scene in the, the fucking bathroom is is awesome. You know, who would ever imagine that, you know, calling something an ass blaster would be, you know, like a fucking actual scary thing, but it works. Um Morgan Freeman kind of feels a little bit underused, but, you know, what can you do when you get somebody like Morgan Freeman's ca- caliber to play like a kind of tropey role like that? Uh But no, I thought it was a cool idea, uh, a cool movie. You know, I think a lot of the, criticism it gets is because it, it riffs so close to it in a lot of ways and it is probably a better story overall but i like i love the book too so i don't know i i really enjoyed it kevin i uh, I, would, I would agree with you i'm you know what i'm sad that this didn't make my list fuck you kevin
1: yes i fuck actually you, asked kevin. Kat. <laughs> i actually asked Kat if it was gonna be on your list because i was like i i knew you guys talked about this and I I think we talked about this a little bit when we did the 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 people getting the the cube like one. Uh yeah, the cube the random strangers or whatever we yes we gotcha. mentioned this movie but yeah. it didn't fit the criteria. But um yeah. Alright, Ken, what do you think?
2: Uh the first time I watched it I didn't like it. The second time I watched it I liked it a little bit more. And then the third time I watched it I was like Oh, now I like it. So, it's one of those movies where I liked just enough where I recognized something just enough that I was like, I gotta give it another shot. I remember reading, I feel like this was on an ESPN.com uh, article, of all things, um, a guy comparing this to The Outsiders and Stand By Me. And I was like, alright, you yeah, will give this a shot. And at the time, I really didn't know, you know, you know. we we know all, like, seven of these names were, like, friggin' household names in, in, in their own way, but at the time, I, I really didn't know, aside from Morgan and probably Sizemore, I don't know if I knew the rest of them. Um, and I, I think at first I was just kind of put off by the shit monster whole idea, like, I was like, well, that just, okay. But you know once you get past the shit monster idea and you realize like this is like about this like long friendship thing and i don't know it it works on so many levels it it really has become a lovable um stephen king classic um i mean it's no maximum overdrive and certainly no sleepwalkers but it's right there you know it it is a classic that does not get enough, enough love
1: yeah, when Chris mentioned it, I was like, "Yeah, it's like that cliche of like, let's get of Stephen King of like, let's get a bunch of kids together and like, in the in the fifties and and let's have them find a dead body or you know look for a missing kid. It's always a missing person, right? Yeah, it really is. Uh, but I love all of those movies. So. Um, okay. So, all right, so we're off to my number one, Hollow Man, uh, 2000, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Rotten Tomatoes is 26 critics, 28% audience. Uh, IMDb, 5.8 out of 10, and Letterboxd, 2.7 out of 5, the box office was pretty good uh, 190.2 million on a budget of 95 million um so it did okay uh doing hollywood math anyways uh this movie just turning a profit with uh, uh and getting an oscar nomination for best uh visual effects doesn't get the love it deserves the reason that this movie is number one on my list is because it needs to be number one on a, on somebody's list. And, uh, and I love Paul Verhoeven. He's one of my favorites. And, um, and more so in, in recent time, I've, I've gone through and watched his movies and uh, he said this movie could have been made by 20 or so other directors and it didn't really feel like his signature style. And I disagree uh, as a, as a giant Verhoeven fan. Uh, I feel like the, you know, this is coming off of uh, Starship Troopers, and this isn't probably as groundbreaking as as that movie is. Um, but I feel it's closest to Showgirls, as Showgirls is the all about Eve, uh, but made by Paul Verhoeven, twisted, perverted tale. And I think Hollow Man is the Invisible Man kind of done the same way. Um, you know, it's the framework of a generic sci-fi thriller meets a slasher, especially with the, the camera, uh, you know, the, the point of view of the camera where you feel like you are the slasher in this point, you feel like you're the, the hollow man lurking outside people's houses. And it's got that signature sleaze that I love from Paul Verhoeven with that crooked smile, sense of humor that I, lo- I love. Uh, it starts... With our antagonist peeking through the the blinds on his neighbor. And maybe at that time you wouldn't realize that this person is a villain. But I think now, retrospectively, that that is uh, one of the things. I didn't like this movie when it came out. And I think it was because you identify with Kevin Bacon, or I identify with Kevin Bacon, because I've always known him with outside of sleepers for the most part he's always kind of like the hero or the main the main guy so seeing him as bad guy and you know he's the hollow man maybe also the confusion of seeing something kind of like dark man uh <clears throat> i don't know it, it's just it's just weird it was weird at the time and i definitely didn't appreciate this movie but as soon as this guy gets any power at all um of being invisible he starts uh, groping his coworker, which is played by Kim Dickens, and and which is like an impressive uh, special effects shop, but also super uncomfortable, and uh, you know, invisibly groping her, uh, putting unwanted advances on his ex Elizabeth Shue, to raping the neighbor he saw in the very beginning, like with the framework of this invisible man for the modern age um, which i believe all of that stuff is kind of ahead of its time of how sleazy this guy is from the beginning and then you know if you think of the invisible man who is a doctor and then he kind of goes mad which they kind of put that in with the movie that he cut the the serum makes him go crazy but before the serum this guy was was kind of a scumbag just just waiting to To come out, just getting away with no one really knowing who he is, especially you know his uh, scientist partner and ex girlfriend played by Elizabeth Shue. Um, It's he's like ahead of his time with the mere images of messages of misogyny in this movie, and it does take a while for it to really become that sort of slasher style horror, but from the very beginning it establishes real world horrors of having to put on thermal goggles to make sure your pervy boss isn't watching you pee. You know, this is stuff that we think about today and probably wouldn't have then. Uh, Yeah. I, I don't think anyone would have made this movie and it is, you know, to be fair, a sort of a generic horror film or sci-fi film up, you know, Except that it has this distinct touch, and I watched the director's cut. I've seen this movie a few times in the last year, and this is the first time I watched the director's cut in a long time. And the things they cut were like kind of this, this amazing shot of him on each side of the girl on the mirror, and uh, they they cut it for the the theatrical version. But the camera actually goes behind the mirror while you're watching this girl, you know, get out of the shower and. You, it, like, you. it's quick, but, you, you know, you don't see the camera, and it actually has, to me, that is, like, you know, cinematic movie magic that they put into this movie, and, um, you know, which probably lives on at best, you know, midnight on the sci-fi channel, where all the good stuff is cut out. Um, but it takes a while, but the ending's crazy, um, and almost too much at, in a very short period of the last half hour of the movie but the special effects are awesome. And, uh, yeah. So what do you guys think? Agree, disagree. have you seen this anytime recently.
2: I've never seen the movie. Um, I've had many people tell me it's my type of movie. And just based off your description, that says a lot about me as a person, I think. Uh, so it sounds like a delightful romp. Um, something that I should watch. Uh, I really like the cast, but unfortunately that's about all that I can offer. Other than apparently there is one little scene in this that was in saw too. So that's me chipping in my two cents.
0: All right. So, uh, this actually hit on one of our podcasts before, and it was on my worst horror movies ever. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, would guess, <laughs> just slightly, um, it's got a great soundtrack. know. Yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> um, you're, you're right on a lot of the, the ways that like Sebastian is a really cool antagonist, you know? And I think a lot of people weren't expecting that from him, for, especially with the way that it was marketed. Although like, I don't know how you, you couldn't see where it was going with the, the, um, uh, invisible man story. um, I I would have just liked to see it be a little more grounded because when you get to the end, all of a sudden Sebastian is superhumanly strong able to lift, you know, impale people and lift them up with one hand uh, jumping all around, you know, from from the ground to on top of pipes with like no issues, gets set on fire doesn't phase him at all Uh, so, you know, like he goes from being just an invisible human, which is, you know a huge advantage in and of itself to being like this movie monster. And that's, that's where it lost me. You are right though, that that fucking breast manipulation scene is one of the most impressive special effects I've ever seen. Um, and a a good reason that this movie works as much as it did was because Kevin Bacon played Sebastian, you know, if they've gotten somebody less charismatic, uh, Or who was more overtly chauvinistic. Like, I'm thinking, you know, Peter Facinelli wasn't the bad guy in the sequel, but he was in the sequel. Like, if they had cast him as the bad, it would have fucking sucked. So, uh, I would disagree with you in my opinion, but again, it's just my opinion. So, uh, I'm glad that we had something that we all didn't agree on, though, on our list. Because if we were all just kumbaya together it would be a much less enjoyable experience
1: yeah and i expect and this is why it was number one and i really like i don't know I, it's if you look up like the worst paul verhoven movies or like a rate like i looked up a few different rankings of his movies hollow man is like number 17 he's got 17 movies um every time like it's number 17 and i don't think it's his worst movie. It's not it's definitely not his best. And it's probably somewhere in the middle, but uh because I watched this movie so after COVID at work we had a TV and we had like free Cinemax or something on uh, on our TV and I would watch it and I didn't remember that Hollow Man was rated R. I wasn't as familiar with Paul Verhoven as I probably should have been. So I played this movie in TV and I work at a homeless shelter for families. So there's kids that come through the office and it was around Halloween time, I think. And they would come in and they would see the, the plastic, the the rubber mask and their the looks on their faces. And I was like, Oh, this movie is like way more sexually charged than I remembered. And I didn't realize that it was unedited. So you got, even if it was a theatrical cut, uh, it was, it's, it's pretty harsh, like all the way through. Um, and I was like, I should definitely watch this movie at home. So I don't know. I think it was that low bar of it. I was, I just thought that this was like some, I don't know, sci-fi film, but.
0: I, I saw the, the newer version of the invisible man and I thought it was okay. It wasn't, wasn't great, but I would love to see like a mix up between like hollow man and the The invisible man remake that they just did, you know, somewhere in that middle ground, I think is like a fucking perfect horror movie.
1: I saw a video. I saw a video. Oh, really quickly. I saw a video that said that the hollow man and the invisible man are the exact same movie through opposite perspectives. And they, I didn't watch it cause I haven't seen the invisible man yet, but that the like, it's really close, like scene for scene and the way they do things. It's, it's crazy.
2: Have either of you ever seen 100 feet?
0: Uh no, no, no I have not.
2: No. Sounds familiar. It's It's uh it it deals with an invisible man. Um Jansen kills her abusive husband in self-defense. She's sentenced to house arrest and she can only move, you know, 100 feet whatever. And the spirit or entity of her Dead husband, just tortures and beats the holy hell out of her throughout the movie. So, uh, it's an I, I. It definitely was inspired by the Invisible Man and probably you know partially Hollow Man as well, because uh, it came out two thousand eight. I would definitely recommend it. I I don't know where to find it, but if you can find it, I would recommend it.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it looks like it's only on I didn't Blu-ray. All right, Kevin, that's a good list. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, you guys, you guys ready for the the shit show that this is going to be?
2: Yeah, I don't think so.
0: I don't, I don't think it's too good. Uh, all right, so my number five is a 2019 movie. Actually, um, it's got a 6.5 IMDb rating and a 78 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So this. Rotten Tomatoes has it higher than Event Horizon, but this is lower on IMDb than Event Horizon. Uh, on a budget of seventy million, it made back four hundred and sixty-seven point five. So it wasn't as successful as its prequel. But my number five is It Chapter Two, and ha! I predicted that one, Kevin. I really, I really enjoyed the first one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and my my biggest thing is just. You know this came out and people were like oh it's such a letdown it's fucking a shit show it's horrible compared to the first one and it, it's not it's not as good but it wasn't bad i mean you you didn't have um pennywise biting off fucking uh a kid's arm you know in the first three minutes but uh You did have him biting into a fucking girl with a mole on her face or a birthmark on her faces uh, face underneath a set of bleachers um, so yeah i mean that's that 's literally my my argumentation is that it's it 's nowhere near as bad as what everybody said it was um you know, we're missing a, a couple things that I would have loved to have seen. You know, like I believe in Santa Claus, I believe in the Easter Bunny. Eat battery acid, scum would have fucking made me so happy, and we don't get that. Uh, and they definitely pushed the Bev uh, uh, Bill, you know, potential love shit going on much further than it needed to. You know, than they did in the books or the uh, miniseries. But uh, and I mean, they changed up the ending. Enough, so you can definitely say it wasn't a literal reproduction, but I enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't bad i mean it, it's it's good should be you know higher praise, but that's about the limit that I can come up with for that, but that's why it hits on my number
1: five. You can start on this one cat e. He-
2: Oh, all right. uh, Chris and I will forever just be miles apart on our feelings on this particular film. Uh, As Chris was going on, I brought up my blogs just to kind of see what I rated and wrote and all that stuff. I gave It Chapter 1 an 8.0, which is incredibly high on my blogging scale um, because I don't go up to 10s. I only go up to 9.2s. And I gave it chapter two, a 5.0 only on the merit that there's probably going to get come a day where I'm like, I want to watch the whole it movie, like chapter one and two. And inevitably I'll watch it again and maybe I'll like it more. Like the, the, the acting, the actors, like it was a good cast and everything. Um, I will say that traditionally I find the second half of the story to be way worse. And so I can't fully blame the film for something I already knew to be true. I mean the original it as much as I loved it, the the miniseries, yeah, the first half was better than the second half. I appreciate the story better. So naturally I'm going to dump on the second half. With that being said, I was I, I felt the runtime was exceedingly way too long for what it provided. And there were times I just kept checking, like, the time. And I think that's, like, the death knell for for movies. Like, if you're sitting there, like, actively checking your watch or whatever, it doesn't, I don't know, that's not a good sign from my perspective. Um, with that being said, I own it. Uh, you know, I, I I do love the story. It's just the first half is not as good as the second half for me, and that's okay. I mean, I I'm just happy. I am just happy because I predicted two things off Chris's list, and since I got Pet Cemetery wrong, I'm really happy to got this one right.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I actually thought that this actually it part two is a potential on my overrated list because I came because uh, I heard people. Through word of mouth only that it was better than the first one. And then I didn't really think it lived, lived up to that. Uh, it is, I do like it. It is good. Um, I watched it part one, which I only saw one time. So recently, cause that was one potentially for the overrated list. I didn't make it to it chapter two because. I don't know, I just didn't get to it, but I really wasn't I, I didn't like it part 1 as much as I did the first time I saw it uh because I never saw stranger things before, but now that I've seen stranger things, I'm like, "Oh, they just turned it into stranger things." That's that's what they did. I mean, and I know that Stranger Things is very Stephen King, Steven Spielberg inspired uh but yeah, I I was I don't know. I, w- I wasn't as, as uh, impressed with it as I was the first time. Um, so I, I might actually like it chapter two more than, than, uh, than I did the first part, but I do agree with you, Kent, that the, the mini series and I, it, the better part of the story was the kids in the beginning. And uh the second part of the mini series the ending is like the creature is so bad and i remember you know like watching it so bad and like then like you so, know when i saw so it as bad. a kid it it was great <laughs> but when i like watched it in my 20s i was like this is so this is so bad and then i would say that to people and they'd be like well that's exactly what it was in the book and i'd be like but i bet it was way better in the book because stephen king is so descriptive and the technology just couldn't do it, but it, you know, more or less it has the spider creature at the end and uh it looked good. Uh it wasn't it wasn't as dark though. It part one was not as dark yeah. as I remembered it the first time around. It was so light and bouncy and uh didn't have the real terror of a a missing child, you know clown killer monster thing uh that it had when I was a kid, which it probably wouldn't, but um, yeah, I think you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, I'll, I'll definitely check out it, Chapter 2 uh, sometime soon because I just saw Part 1 a couple of weeks ago So,
2: I, I have a quick question for Chris uh, the, the ritual, I think it was Mike that Found the ritual that they were doing, where they had to take something of value, treasured, whatever. Was that in the book?
0: To be honest, I don't remember. But if it was, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't in the same form that it was in the movie. That was one of the biggest changes that I remember. Okay. Uh, all right. So my number four, and this is probably going to be my closest to a hidden gem on my list, but uh, it's got a six. Again, it's got a six point five IMDb rating, which puts it lower than Event Horizon. It's got a 68% Rotten Tomatoes rating, which puts it higher. So Rotten Tomatoes, in most cases recently, I think it gets it wrong, but on my list, for the most part, gets it right. Uh, against a budget of $1.5 million, it only earned 31000 back. So uh, yeah, it's obviously not uh, overrated in terms of budget, but... I believe you've seen it because I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before. But from 2008, a movie called Pontypool, which was a uh, Canadian horror movie.
2: Huh? I did. Did I not just recommend that to you, Kevin? Like a week or two ago? Yeah,
1: I yeah. I didn't get around to it, but yeah, you did. Oh no, shit! You son of a bitch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead.
1: I'm excited.
0: Uh, oh, you're gonna watch it soon. Well, are you are you gonna watch? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Right. I don't oh, want to. I won't go into too it. many. It's a zombie outbreak without being a zombie outbreak, and the way they do it is fucking interesting as hell. It's it's something that I have never seen done in another movie, and I, I you would agree with that, wouldn't you, Kent?
2: I never would have thought of it, and at first I wasn't sure if that was the like how they were going go with it, and like. How they're going to continue on with that in a movie, and it just kept building. And so, the pacing was good. The yeah, it, it was very unique.
0: It is a fucking cool movie, Kevin. I well, I don't want to spoil it for you because I want you to see it. But um, yeah, it's it's just some like everybody I know who's seen this movie loves it. The only problem is, I only know like two people other than myself who have fucking seen it. So, uh, that's that's where it runs in. It's one of those ones where it was like, this is a great idea, and it just, it didn't have the marketing budget in order to make it back. And probably, the fact that it was Canadian in the first place kind of limited that budget to go along with it, but Stephen McCaddy is great in it, Lisa Houle is great in it. It's, it's, a, it's a really good movie. And I would recommend it.
2: Unfortunately, it's also like a little bit on the pricey end as far as like a movie, you know, now fifteen years old, only on DVD. It was going for like fifteen to twenty bucks as cheapest on Amazon. I was like, Ugh. either way, I'm still going to buy it, but uh, I, I, I hate spending more than like ten dollars for a DVD nowadays.
0: It does feel like a ripoff, but sometimes you know.
2: Sometimes Sometimes that's of, format. Yeah,
0: I mean it's
2: not, it's even, not available. even available I don't believe there's any place uh, to buy it digitally that's what I what, I would I would actually rather spend 15 to get digitally than to just get the DVD
0: Yeah I, 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 no I would agree with you because then you have to deal with the fact that you know a couple generations from now DVDs might not even work anymore right. But anyways um, since Good since you haven't seen it Kevin I mean, I'm assuming there's not much to say, so
2: yeah. No, I think we've hyped it up pretty good, and, but I, I really think Kevin will enjoy because it's just a genuinely
1: unique idea. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's on AMC, it says, so it's on my right. uh, watch. Yeah,
0: watch. yeah, that is definitely one worth watching. All right, so Kent, if I was going to pick a number movie from one of the franchises that we've gone over. A little bit further back, which one do you think I would pick?
2: Scream Scream 2.
0: Well, we actually haven't done Scream as a franchise, have we?
2: Oh, shit. I don't know. No, we didn't. My bad. Franchises, we've only, we've only done two, Wait. so... Yeah we-, yeah, we... Okay, so you're going to go with Soft... Five Saw Six, there we go.
1: Six? Saw
0: six. You know I I remember when they were coming out because it was boom 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 year after year. Uh eventually after like once it started hitting four, five, six, people were just like, who gives a fuck? It's a fucking other Saw movie. And uh You know, before we had um we did the franchise one, it had been a while since I'd seen some of them and I hadn't gone through and watched the whole series at all so going through I was like 6 was a fucking surprise you know it was it was not the best filmed one I think the the quality was probably the lowest in terms to the cinematography uh out of the whole series but it was probably one of the better plotted ones and it had some really interesting um uh Devices like the one where he has to choose who he's going to murder out of his former co workers, you know, that was, you know, and they're all getting a chance to plead with him. That was, you know, a pretty cool, uh, like Sophie's choice, yeah, on the merry-go-round, right? Uh, then the ending twist was one that I didn't see coming. Uh, I won't go into it too much if you haven't seen it because I don't want to spoil it for you, but again, this is another movie. 6.0 6.0 IMDb, 45% Rotten Tomatoes. So this is both worse than Event Horizon, uh, but you can tell why they kept making them because on a budget of 11 million, it made back 69.7, and they did it, you know, in less than a year. Um. So yeah, I I like. I really enjoyed, you know, even the shittiest Saw movies up until Spiral. I really enjoyed. Uh, going back i think it's got a really great through line for the entire series but uh this one i think stood out from the latter half of this this series you know i would say that the the first couple aren't really underrated because i think people you know acknowledge that they're pretty decent um so i don't know i mean Ken, i know you and i've talked about this before and kevin i don't i don't know if we ever went over saw 6 but what do you guys think
1: i saw saw 6 Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kent. I'll quickly.
2: I'll just quickly add that I think, maybe in five, ten years down the road, if somebody were to sit down, and just watch the franchise without like knowing much about like what the reviews were, I think in time, Saw Six is actually going to grow to be one of the two or three most popular uh, of of the franchise. I I just think right. Still, like the recency of it, I I do think that people are just like, well, who the fuck cares about part six at this point, it's, you know? But in time, people kind of discover these latter ones as hidden gems, quintessentially. Yes. Yeah, so- also, as stars the guy who played Boggs from uh, Shawshank. I remember
1: that guy, but uh, yeah, I saw six. I, d- I did talk about it. I think we did um, in the shoot the shit section. Uh, it was one of the movies I saw recently. I saw six and seven and I bought what the first eight movies on, uh, I haven't seen jigsaw yet, but I, I bought all eight movies for like 10 bucks in a collection um, or October time. So I could watch them during Halloween time. Cause I wasn't really familiar with them. I watched the first one when it came out, I liked it. The, after the second one and I think like as you said Chris that people do you know the first three I think were all really popular uh, they made a lot of money uh, you know $100 million on a $1 million budget a lot of them uh, or like a couple million dollars it, it kind of grew a little bit the, the budget but um, yeah Saw 6 is great and I think it is catching on uh, as I just caught up with it, I, you know, when people do talk about the Saw films, um, I think Six is is mentioned as, is you know, top three, and I, someone specifically said, um, besides number one, Saw Six is their favorite, and I kind of feel the same way, and it's just kind of like, you got to give it to number one, because that's the one that, that grew it, and, it, you know, it's a cheap movie, and it was successful, and it was scary, and, you know, like and it was mysterious uh, with, and it had a twist, but it, you know, it wasn't like, you know, a crazy twist that changed the whole perspective of the film, but, you know, maybe a little bit, but not, not entirely like something like six cents. Uh, yeah. Saw six is great. And that, that scene with the shotgun go round thing is easily the best scene in any of the movies, I think. Um. And I'm I'm not gonna lie,
0: you know. Even, even now, like every time I hear that music kick in, yeah, I fucking, you know my my heart goes up to a place, you know, a good place for me. But I don't know. I I, I never I didn't realize until recently like how much the the theme song fucking really, like, nailed it for me, just it, for the the whole series. And then we have spiral, but let's not go there
1: yeah i'm so I still, yeah, still, still got to get through jigsaw and then Jigsaw I'm into spiral, is like an, Jigsaw's
0: like an average movie, but spiral
2: spiral felt good at the time it has sat like in the pit of my stomach, just causing horrendous pain. I, I will say i liked I liked the
0: graphicness of the kills, you know some of them that we we saw I thought were really pretty cool, yeah.
1: yeah. But That was the best thing I've heard of the yeah. movie. From anyone who's <laughs> <Yeah>. seen it, <laughs> I've not heard a single good thing. It was good at the time. Is the best I've heard. And that was like two years ago.
2: It, it was like in the midst of like the first few months of the pandemic. Me like, you know, like six months in. So like everybody's starving for some kind of entertainment. So that comes out and it just felt good at the time. But rewatching it. It's like, and,
0: I mean, part of uh, the problem too was like the trailers were really good for the movie. You know, it gave you hope. And then you saw it, and you were like, yeah, all the best parts were in the trailers. Uh, all right, so this is my number two and my number one are what really tells me that Event Horizon is, is overrated. Okay, so my number two, um, a 6.4 IMDb rating and a 63% Rotten Tomatoes rating. So it's it's a little slightly higher in Rotten Tomatoes, but it should be way higher. Um, it was on a budget of $1.5 million. It only made back $1.7 million in the theaters, but this is a 2001 movie called Session 9, um, nice. Yeah, you've seen it too. You've seen it, Kent. I mean, I know we've talked about this before. Uh, I think yeah, this is... I
2: can now take it off my list. Thank you. Oh, did
0: you have it on your list?
2: No, that... No, uh, that honestly, I'm genuinely grateful because I had to make oh, it. Oh, okay. Movies, good. So thanks. Good.
0: Uh, because I really... This is like one of the best low-key horror movies. And, I mean, think about how they film it. It's, it's mostly... Uh, shots of men sitting around uh, fixing up an old asylum just listening to audio and it, it's so fucking creepy it's not even funny but the kind of the couple scares that they try to do like the scene where the guy's down in the basement with the uh, flashlight and then the lights start going out and he's trying to run faster than the than the lights are to be able to get out I mean those are really well committed too uh, it's got a great cast Uh a great script and you know um i don't I, I really should have paid attention because i've never looked in to see what else brad anderson did but oh he did the machir- mach- machinist okay yeah that makes sense um i just i just really enjoy this movie. like i would talk this up to anybody who said hey what's a good non-graphic horror movie to watch
1: Very, very creepy. You. Yeah. I worked at a video store when this came out, and I heard, and I heard, like, really good things about it. And I was like, eh, David Caruso's in it. like, <laughs> Yeah.
0: No, I was there the same then, time, too.
1: Yeah. And then it was, like, actually kind of the same thing with, like, the, the Mothman prophecies. It's like, people would say, like, oh, this movie's really good. And I'd be like, oh, Richard Gere's in it. Like, eh. Uh, and, you know. But I digress. Session 9. Really good. When I did finally get around to it, I was like, oh shit, everyone's right. You know, and of like the five people that I know that saw it, you know.
0: Yeah, that's the problem with some uh, of these movies. Like, they're fucking great and nobody sees them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It was super creepy. I, I definitely owe it a rewatch. But that's also a movie that's on like the, along with Jennifer's body, it's like a underrated horror film, and definitely uh, a hidden gem.
2: Yeah, I I rented this when it was like one of the new releases at Video World. I kind of thought the cover looked pretty good. And so, I mean, that was 20 years ago, and out of all movies that I recommend or show to my friends, this has to be this is probably number two behind cube uh, because it's one of those movies that's kind of, it's scary enough, but it's also kind of on the tame side as far as score goes. So you have a friend that's not really into gore, you know, a little iffy about hardcore horror. Maybe you don't want to show them martyrs, but you can show them session nine and you can have a good time with it. And to me, the, What's funny, well, aside from David Crusoe saying, hey, fuck you, which is probably my most played YouTube clip of all time, uh, Larry Fessenden. I didn't even know he was – Dude, I I just
0: saw that looking through this. I'm like, oh, Craig is – or Ken's going to fucking shit his pants when he sees Larry was in there. Who the fuck was he? He
2: he was the dude that got stuck with the lights. I'm pretty sure that was McManus. I'm pretty sure he's the guy that's in that scene.
0: You know what? I, I bet you're right. (laughs)
2: it it is such a good it's such a good scene it's so fucking good like this this movie is so much better that it has it should not be as good or as entertaining as it is and it always gives me hope when I see like other kind of like asylum movies and I'm like alright if it's you know decent I'll just be happy like Grave Encounters for example was actually significantly uh, above average, believe it or not, but by and large, Asylum movies, eh, they don't do it, but this one did it. So, kudos, great pick, and once again, thank you, Saya.
0: Oh, you're welcome. That's a that's an inside joke, guys.
2: Alright, so, my number
0: one, and this is how I fucking know that, uh, goddamn, Event Horizon is so fucking overrated, uh, has a 6.5 on IMDb and a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, which both put it under that horizon and on an 11 million dollar budget it only made 25 million dollars back so it wasn't a resounding success in the theater but this is the 1990 movie the exorcist 3 also known as exorcist legion in some places um i don't know what can i say the the exorcist is is like we spoke earlier renowned as maybe the best horror movie ever i mean I, i'm sure there are people who can argue it either way, but it was definitely a high act to follow-up, and The Exorcist 2 uh, is usually not regarded anywhere near that, but The Exorcist 3 uh, has a couple of just fucking phenomenal performances going on between George C. Scott, Brad Duriff, uh Jason Miller. Um, it's got some of the creepiest fucking scenes in there, too between um some of the shit that the Gemini serial killer does but like the the scene with the fucking uh, old lady with the shears you know she gets me every fucking time i don't know i almost prefer this to exorcist 1 and i know that's a hot take but like we've done best sequels before and this was one of the the top ones on our I think I don't remember if it was both of our lists, but definitely mine. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just I can't hype this up enough. I mean, I wasn't a George C. Scott fan before I saw this movie, but afterwards, I f- I fucking recommend. You know, just overall him as an actor.
1: Okay, go ahead, go. well, I'll be. This will be easy. I've never seen it. Um it's on Hulu, though, and George C. Scott, and actually when you said Exorcist 3, I confused it with Omen 3, and I was looking for Sam Neill, which I also have never seen, so I think it's Omen 3 with him, but yeah, Brad Dorf's in it, I'm, I'm in. Scott Wilson?
0: Uh, Yeah, it's got a great cast. I didn't George realize how many of these people I knew back when I saw it, too, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have appreciated him until up until a couple years ago. And Scott Wilson. Scott Wilson, yes. Herschel. <laughs> uh it can't be worse than Exorcist yeah. Two, which is okay in, in like a goofy sort of way, but of like bad movies that can be entertaining, but Oh for sure. You know, uh yeah. uh Yeah. I don't know. So you you know this movie pretty well, Kent.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I I only discovered it maybe i don't know we'll say about five years ago I, I discovered it and i think i gosh i may have watched it right around the time when scott wilson died so it was probably actually maybe even like past three years or so uh and i was blown away because i i'd always heard exorcist 2 was awful and i don't know i just kind of Whatever, I just ignored Exorcist 3. Uh, didn't bother looking at the cast. Had I, I would have seen Brad Dourif and would have given in. Um, and it was just such a delightful... Like, it really holds its own with, with the Exorcist 1. I. I, you know, whichever one you prefer... I, it's almost to me like Evil Dead One, Two. I don't care which one you prefer. I just don't think there's a large enough gap. Like I just, it's cool. Just love both movies. It's cool, man. Uh, and the the old lady scene so good. So
0: it's. Uh, I yeah, would say I this too. It's recommend. probably got one of the the best. I mean, I know people don't like them, but it's probably got one of the best jump scares I remember in a movie too.
2: Oh, I hate jump scares, but that jump scare is well done. Jump scares are fine if they're not overused. Like you get one good jump scare in a movie, perfect. But then you get insidious I like I
1: like jump scares. I mean, uh The Quiet Place had a a pretty good jump scare and then uh I saw a Quiet Place 2 and I don't in the theater. I don't remember a lot about it. I remember that I liked it, but I did almost drop my popcorn like really early into the movie and and it's kind of, you know, sort of embarrassing, but yeah I, I do appreciate a good jump scare, but I don't think it is synonymous with, with terror
0: yeah, I like when they give us a fake out and then a real jump scare and it's effective yeah. but yeah, overuse is something that should be straight away from, but that's my list uh, alright, I'm interested in hearing what Kent's got to go with
2: Okay. I I'm going to start off with with my usual honorable mentions really quick. Um once again I'm trying to use this like the same ideology using the spreadsheet. Um so I'm kind of going away from uh unknown gems. I'm going with movies that I was shocked didn't appear on more lists. And it was it really surprised me how underrepresented slashers were. So just to group a bunch of things together that had minimal to no appearances, like the original Friday the 13th only showed up on four out of 11 lists. And that, that movie kind of in and of itself created like this whole subgenre that dominated the freaking 80s. So maybe put a little bit more respect on the damn movie. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Only showed up twice, Freddy vs. Jason, which we all agreed was a really good, fun movie. Showed up on no list, um, and although not necessarily a slasher, I'm just going to throw in Saw. Saw was only on three of the eleven list, and once again, I feel that Saw, you know, wh- however you feel about it, I, I feel like Saw is kind of like a top one hundred horror movie. Th- I, I feel that's a very safe take, but uh, apparently more lists disagree with me than I would like. Um, Another movie that I found very underrepresented, uh, surprisingly, was Shaun of the Dead. And my theory is that maybe people just view it more as a comedy and not enough of a horror movie to put it on the list, because it's universally loved, like has a 92, 93 on Rotten Tomatoes has a seven point nine on IMDb, so I think that's a fair assumption as people just don't view it as horror. With that being said, um, and I did remove session nine, my number five movie um, came out two thousand nine, and this is a movie everybody I kind of talked to seems to enjoy, The House of the Devil had this cool eighties vibe to it. It was a good slow burner. If you're if you're into the slow burners, I, I really think you would enjoy the movie. And yet once it only appeared on three lists, uh it had a sixty six, a seventy seven, and an eighty eight. But if if I look at IMDB, it has a six point three, it has an eighty five percent uh for audience, like I on Rotten Tomatoes. It seems to be liked, so I don't understand why a movie like this um, didn't appear on more lists. It, it, it's a relatively – it's recent, but, I mean, now it's 14 years old. So it's not so new that – like, I can understand why Barbarian isn't on list because most of these lists were made before Barbarian came out. But I think most of the lists probably have came out – since after House of the Devil, so I don't. I'm confused why it's not on list. Um, also, it has Tom Noonan in it, and who doesn't love Tom Noonan? Uh, I don't know. Do, I think both of you guys oh, have seen it, right?
0: I haven't. No. That's probably why. I, uh, I mean, yeah. It, it's not getting more play.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 Kevin, I did no? see this. Um, I saw it on Criterion, actually. Uh, and. I told my dad about it because I was like, my dad would really be into this. And, uh, and he like loves it. Like he, he was blown away by it. Cause it's like, not, it is a slow burner. Uh, but it, but it's like, how long is it? Is it even, yeah, it's an hour and 33 minutes. So like slow burners at an hour, like 90 minutes, like it never gets annoying.
2: It, it feels yeah. slow. Like the first half, you know? But it, it has a good pace, but you know, I, I think some people just want bang bang scenes, and this doesn't. Yeah, you know, this it tells is like, a story.
1: You know, around the time of like, what are we talking about? Like Saw Six, Saw, Saw Seven, two thousand
2: nine. Yeah, like the end end of the yeah, where it's all like bang bang bang. So, yeah. yeah, this
1: is this is more of like a eighties horror film. I, I think it's based in that time. I don't know, maybe not, but is it? Yeah, and it has that feel. Uh, yep. Greta Gerwig is in it. Uh, I think Ty West is kind of... I'm not to say that he doesn't have a, a, a fan base, because he, he does, I think, but I think he's just exploding now with X and Pearl and Ma- Maxine coming Max. out. I think that like people will now probably check this out more, and things like Criterion, who have can get the rights to it will put it on their thing and peacock uh peacock you know more people will keep it in their content as like you know people who are like me which is there's enough people like me but you know the smaller fraction of moviegoers that are director based um you know so you know you're like what else does this guy make so but yeah it's it's Really good. I think it had, the ratings are too were too good for me to put it on my list. But yeah, at, overall, I think it, anyone who's seen it, I think likes it. Um, I think just not enough people have seen it.
2: I, I think that's fair. And you're all fine with all everything on my list. There are movies that actually got good ratings. It's just oh yeah, that they didn't appear
1: yeah. yeah. On well, we all have our criteria. So sure.
2: That, that that's kind of yeah, so. Um, but Chris, I, I do think you would like it too, and once again, it's only an hour thirty five, and it's on my voodoo. Uh,
0: yeah, I'll take a look, for sure. Okay,
2: okay. My number four, which appeared on zero lists, and is not a horror predominantly. It is a western horror, which should give it away. Is Bone Tomahawk? I I don't know many people that have seen it, other than the people that I have specifically either shown it to or been like, "Yo, go watch fucking Bone Tomahawk." Despite it having a really really good cast, I don't I don't really think uh, a lot of people know of the film's existence. To be perfectly honest, um, I mean I, I don't even think I. Did it have like a theatrical run? I, I have no idea, but I just, I don't ever remember seeing anything really about it. Uh, it has good 7.1 on IMDb, uh, 91% and a 74% Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's what the users, the audience and then the critics or whatever. I don't know how that goes. The thermometer and the audience. I don't know. Whatever the fuck that, those numbers mean. They're still good. And with a cast with Kurt Russell and fucking Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, old Richard Jenkins, Lily Simmons, and David Arquette and the great Sid Haig. There's a lot to love in this. It's it's definitely I don't want to say it's like a love letter to the Westerns, because most Westerns didn't have like this horror aspect, but it's like this really nice. Mesh, it almost kind of reminded me a little bit of something like Out of the Hills Have Eyes, I guess. Um, I don't, I feel Chris, you've seen this. I don't know, Kevin, if you've seen it.
0: Yeah, I fucking love it. I fucking love it.
1: Yeah, me too. Also, I showed my dad, I told my dad about this movie, and he also fucking loves it too. He's like, oh, you can't go wrong with Kurt Russell, especially if it's a Western. But, and my dad. Uh, you know, is is definitely put his love of horror onto me. So uh, when I saw this, I was like, I, I figured my dad would like it. But uh, yeah, I was I was introduced through S. Craig Zoller. I saw Dragged Across Concrete first, and that's pretty cool. And then I saw, and then I think I saw this, and then I saw the brawl on cell block 99 or whatever it is yeah 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 uh yeah yeah so anyways yeah i like all of his movies this one is is great i i mean I, I could see if you saw this one first the other ones might not hold up but all of his movies are 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 pretty cool and this is uh i mean i i love i'm a huge fan of lost so seeing matthew fox and something it's seems completely against type also because usually he only gets type roles. So yeah, it was cool.
0: Yeah, this is, this is a fucking great movie. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's also really graphic. So if it's not gore, isn't something that you're into, uh, definitely skip this one, but
2: yeah, if you're not into watching a person get, you know, possibly split down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: seeing seeing a dude get split down his asshole. I mean, yeah. God
2: that, God that, that is really one of the few. If if we ever did a graphic scene podcast, I don't know where that. It would definitely be in my top ten, though. Like every,
0: yeah,
2: stays with you.
0: But it was. It's a really interesting concept, executed well. Great performances. Fucking amazing movie. And yes, it it only looks. It looks like it only grossed like under $500,000, and it's theatrical one, which is probably why we never bothered hearing of it. But, apparently word of mouth was good enough to enable him to get Brawl and Cell Black 99 and uh, Direct Across Concrete Made. So
1: It was probably like not a lot of theaters. It was probably like Chicago, LA, New York. Yeah, the, the
0: like- bare minimum needed to... Uh, I think it released in UK first, so uh, probably over there and then like film festivals, and that was it was about it.
2: And, and of course, I gotta give much love to David Arquette for liking my post on Facebook I when movie. I reviewed this movie.
0: That's pretty cool. And I know David. That's pretty cool. Obviously. Yeah. So, all right, we kept we kept two people happy, oh, David. Two people happy with this podcast. <laughs>
2: yeah. Wow. All right. Um, my number three, and I. This is a really universally beloved movie. Surprised that this showed up. On only two lists. And we're talking about top 100 horror list. Once at 39, once at 95. I'm talking about the 1980s vampire classic shirtless guy playing the motherfucking saxophone, The Lost Boys. How the hell did this movie only make two lists? When it's arguably, I, I think there's a significant number of people that if they don't say it's their favorite vampire movie, they may be inclined to at least say it's in their top three. Like, I don't know a single person that doesn't like the lost boys. And I, I just thought it was like one of those movies. I I don't know. I, I really thought it was going to be on like 10 or all 11 of, of the list. I, I just really, maybe I take them film for granted, but to me, it, it's, just got everything i kind of wanted and there's so many iconic aspects which once again i th- kind of thought would have helped make it on list but here we are only two out of 11 lists no love for keifer jason patrick the corys i don't know it makes me sad are you guys surprised that it didn't crack more top 100
0: lists? fuck yeah jesus christ what the hell's wrong with people
1: I'm kind of like torn between it because I don't feel like it's Halloween in October, unless I watched the lost boys, but I feel like I'm not really surprised that it's not like the best horror movies. Um, Though this was a very serious video store rental movie for me as a kid. And it was terrifying and scary, but it, I think it's more of like, the MTV generation, it's like more of like a pop culture thing than I, I think synonymous with horror. Um, it's more of an 80s film than a than a horror – than, you know, like I guess the – the you know, like if you think of a cliche type 80s film, you probably think of Dude, Lost Boys, but not I as a cliche of- horror film.
2: When I think of the film of the '80s that best represents the '80s, Lost Boys comes up like in my top three or f- or five movies because it it's a huge representation of that era.
1: So I, I don't know. I think you kind of get lost in the mix. I think, but also I know a lot of people think it's overrated as a vampire movie. Uh, Do you punch
2: them in the face?
1: No, I mean. Who you know whatever people don't like the the Lost Boys I mean it's super popular um, despite you know not making the the list uh, I don't know but I could see like it, it should be on there it should be on like top vampire movies I and I, I, what are the the review what was the reviews for the Lost Boys I didn't even look it up because it got
2: a shit I don't have it got a seventy six thermometer Eighty-five percent for audience. I don't have the IMDb. I don't know why I don't. I thought I
1: did. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty good. I think I think it's close to it.
2: It's well-regarded and
1: seven point two. To me,
2: there's so many vampire movies that show up uh, on these lists. So maybe people are just like, "Well, we gotta have Dracula, gotta have Nosferatu, gotta have Vampire, gotta have fucking Hammer." Uh, fucking Christopher Lee, Dracula, and maybe they just kind of say, you know, fuck Lost Boys, fuck From Dusk Till Dawn, because that was another movie that was severely underrepresented. Uh, so, I don't know. Ma- you know, maybe there was, like, vampire fatigue in, in these lists. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just very weird to me. So, made me angry. His interview with the vampire on there? Email. Um hold that thought for one second. I'm actually on the eyes. Interview mm, Nope. It goes from In the Mouth of Madness to Invasion of Body Snatchers. So interview didn't make any of the list.
1: Well wow, that's so crazy. Shockingly. Um but yeah, that's kind of the same thing because Interview of the Vampire, I don't think it's really looked at as a horror film. It is the vampire movie, but it's kind of has this grander scope of what it is to say that Interview of the Vampire is a horror film and then you see it It's, it's to me it's like an American classic it's just as
2: classic. much a drama as a horror it's
1: a great American classic period piece you know um, yeah and and so in that aspect I think The Lost Boys kind of lays in there in, in sort of a, a similar way but I'm sorry Chris did you want to
0: yeah, hey, uh, Kent, where the fuck did we put it when we did our best vampire movies? Was it number one for I, us?
2: I, I mean, I, we, we had it very high, both of us. I don't know if it was number one. For, I think it might have been my number one.
0: Yeah, it was definitely... Fuck, that's a long time ago. Um, it was. It was. And, <laughs> I mean, it also... I believe it was our number one for... Well, at least mine, for the best music in a horror movie, yeah. Oh yeah, cry little yeah.
2: sister. People are strange. Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, it's a fucking great movie, and the fact that it wasn't on any fuck fuck those people, fuck them, fuck them all. I'm sorry. I, I'm not.
2: I, I, I will sorry. tell you guys something really quick. Little little story. Probably about a month ago, I had a dream where I kind of reimagined a few scenes. Like I found this director's cut of The Lost Boys, and like I fast forward to see like these additional scenes ever cut in. My dream actually kind of made the story pretty decent, and I was kind of proud of my brain for having a relatively well-thought-out dream. So, yes, I I dream of the Lost Boys. That says about me, me, but... Nothing wrong with that. Alright, number two is my cheat, and uh, I'm just saying anthologies in general, but I'm just going to say two in specific... Alright, so... If you look at something like Creepshow has a 6.8 on IMDb, a 65, and a 68 on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, that's fine. That's respectable. But you go to Creepshow 2, it has no appearances on any of the lists. It has only a 6.0 on IMDb, a 29% on the thermometer and a 41% on the audience. And I sit there aghast because I, I feel people of our age, I don't know many people of our age that like horror that doesn't really like creep show 2. I, I, I consider a, a I don't want to say a linchpin of the eighties horror, but I don't know it, I don't know what I think of 80s horror. It's definitely in the short conversation, I would say. And I was surprised it got just no, no love in any of the the lists. And then to go, you know, 20 years down the road or however long it was, and I go to trick or treat, which is, you know, a very well-loved movie. And that, Only had four appearances. I I thought that would have more because of recency bias. Like I know people you know decade younger than us really loved the movie because you know they probably saw it when they were younger. It was one of those things that they hold dear or whatever. And all all in all, I just felt that anthologies were just really underrepresented in the list to a shocking degree. And I guess trick or treat and. Creepshow two are my two best examples of surprises. Um, does it surprise you, or, or maybe it shouldn't surprise me that anthologies didn't make it by? I, I don't know. I guess I'm. I feel weird that there's no anthologies really.
0: Uh, it doesn't surprise me because it's hard to. I mean, when you have multiple directors, possibly you know multiple stories. Who knows? But uh, I mean, if, if Creepshow's on the list and Creepshow two isn't, the raft is probably the fucking scariest segment out of all of them. You know, Uh, I I mean, I know we've talked about this before, ad nauseum. Uh, Same thing with, like, Trick or Treat, you know, like, I have my fucking Sam costume in the closet still, so. Uh, That might not have come out as I intended it to go. I mean, we we keep our old Halloween costumes in the closet, not, you know. Tell us us more. (laughs)
2: What about you, Kevin? Are you surprised or not surprised by by this revelation?
1: Well, creep show for sure. I think creep show is—I don't know—but that's like part of my childhood. Anything to do with, you know, was it Stephen King and George Romero combined?
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like a superpower. I mean, when I was eight. It was so good. Um, the raft was my favorite, but was it the Hitchhiker too?
2: Thanks for the ride, the lady. Hitchhiker. Thanks for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> and Chief Woodenhead was the first one. Oh, uh, well, that's probably 2.
1: yeah. That one, that one doesn't age well, but
2: no, it does not.
1: It's like even just like the the CGI of it. But yeah, I, lo- I love I love those movies. Um, Trick or Treat was better than I thought, but than I expected going into it. But yeah, uh, what was another anthology movie? I don't know.
2: Tales from the Hood got no love, uh, which I wasn't surprised by, but simultaneously that's a great anthology movie.
1: Tales from the Dark Side. There's a bunch. That's what I was thinking, actually. Tales... Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. It just I was really, really surprised, but I guess Chris does make a good point. When you have multiple stories, multiple directors, usually you're bound to have one that you really, really like, one that you may not like as much, and then maybe some middle ground, so maybe it's just I oh, no, know, I just thought everybody liked Creepshow 2. And I was wrong. Okay. With that, my number one is a movie that I believe Chris already brought up today. Um, but not in his list. Just brought up. With only a 63 on the thermometer, a 62 audience score, a 6.8... On IMDb, this delightful 2012 scary movie starring Mr. Ethan Hawke called Sinister, which is without a doubt, in my mind, one of the top 10 best horror movies of this millennium or century, whatever you want to fucking call it, like of the 2000s. It's really one of the 10 best scary movies. I don't know how much argument there is to be made about that. Uh, it's not like a slasher. It's just a well-thought-out, scary-ass movie. I don't know people that have seen it that were like, it wasn't good. No. Fucking movie, people almost always like it. And the thing is, is that it did not show up on a single top 100 list. Not a single one. Fucking Babadook, Hereditary you know some of these modern artsy films, which I like. Don't get me wrong. I you know I love them, but how are they on there? But fucking sinister isn't. It's maddening, and I won't stand for. It. I just don't know how to find whoever made these eleven lists and you know, I don't know. Threaten them with a dueling glove or something. I, I don't know, but that's what I want to do. I want to threaten these people with a dueling glove. Yeah, thoughts?
1: Sinister Rules, it's so good. Um, yeah, I even the twist in it, uh, which I was kind of expecting that it, the movie somehow was going to get cheesier or something, and the twist in it was really, really cool. Um, not to get into it, in case anyone hasn't seen it, but yeah, Sinister was really good. I heard great things about it. Um, and I saw the black phone first, Scott Derrickson. Uh, I definitely want to dig deeper into his movies after seeing Sinister. And it's a movie word of mouth that I've heard nothing but good things about, especially from you two guys. And it's, yeah, it is in, in recent memory. And I, I do as a fan of Ari Aster, and hereditary and midsummer that it it is more of a solid horror film and it's like a horror film and it's good and you don't get a lot of those anymore without it being some sort of like genre bender like say barbarian which is also really good but if they did make a modern list that's probably a movie they would put on in there before sinister and that yeah i agree with you that is that that would be a shame a disservice to uh Too sinister because the movie is creepy as hell, and I just love the idea of it.
0: All right, so Sinister is probably in my top three favorite horror movies of all time. I fucking love it that much. Uh, The idea is creepy. It's well acted. It's not gratuitous. So I mean, you could show some. You could. This is a movie that you could show to people who are grossed out by gore, and. They should still enjoy it, but Ghoul is fucking creepy as fucking. This one, the kids are creepy. Uh, like this is this is part of the reason why the Purge scored so low for me because coming off of this with Ethan Hawke, we got the Purge. This is his very next film. Um, looking back on Scott Derrickson, yeah, uh, he did one of the later Hellraisers that I actually enjoyed. Uh, I didn't realize that he did it. Uh, Deliverers from Evil is okay. It's got a great actual, um, exorcism scene in it. Uh, but, yeah, I I can't praise Sinister highly enough. Sinister 2 was okay. It's not anywhere it could have made it. it's not anywhere near as bad as people say it is, but some of the design choices and the fact, probably due to the fact that he wrote it, but he didn't direct it, um, can be attributed to that. Uh, I think partially because Marvel had uh, hired him to begin pre-production work on Doctor Strange at the same time. So, um, one of the things that leaves me with hope, though, is that after Sinister 2 was a bomb, um, they said that they would still like to do stuff with Bagul, and they are talking about um, whether or not this will still happen, uh, using him as a villain in a future Insidious movie. So, Hopefully, that will remedy your problems with that franchise and remedy everybody else's problems with the Sinister franchise, and we'll just get the best of both worlds, and we can hope.
2: That would be amazing. That really, really would be amazing. And you're right, I didn't know he did the the Hellraiser uh, Inferno, and I didn't know he did Exorcism of Emily Rose. I, I like that movie quite a bit, too.
0: Yeah, that's another good one.
2: Yeah, uh, it just it baffles me because if I think of like all like the criteria in these lists, like, or, eh, or if you don't have recent movies, I get that you have Get Out and you have Babadook, you have Hereditary, but you don't have Sinister, and that just it just feels kind of like a I don't know, did not enough people see Sinister? I, I wonder if that's a legit issue. I, I thought a lot of horror fans did, but maybe they didn't. I don't know, but all right. We didn't kill each other after all of this, which I'm kind of, I'm happy with to an extent. A murder on the podcast would have been interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I still respect you guys. But <laughs> yeah. All right. So I know it's
0: only been a couple of weeks since our last podcast, but I've seen a couple things in the, in the interim that I just wanted to get your, uh, your thoughts on uh, see if you guys have, have seen it. Um, uh, one that I watched because I still have a subscription to Paramount plus for some reason, Krista uh, is scream six. Do you guys, either of you guys got a chance to see that?
1: No,
2: I wanted to, I got on to Paramount saw that was on. And I was like, Holy shit. It, I didn't realize it was out that quickly, uh, but I had other pressing matters that I'll get to in my segment. But, no, I didn't get to it yet, unfortunately. I've heard it's much – I heard it's better than what I would have thought it was going to be based on uh, the locale.
1: What about you, Kevin? Did you, you didn't get a chance to see it? No, I didn't. I, I wanted. To, it's, it's on my list. I've actually not seen a lot of movies uh, this year. Uh, that came out this year, and that's uh, that came out this year and, like, highly right. unlike me. I guess maybe I'll get, into that. Mean, uh, maybe I'll get into that. But uh, my brother you know, saw it in the theater, and he said that it. it it's it's really good, and he he liked it a lot, and he thought that five was a little he bit overrated. and I saw five in the full. theater, and I I liked that. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good, but yeah. Uh, I love the screen movies, but I, I skipped this one. I saw the last one in the theater. I'll probably go see the next one in the theater.
0: I'm, I'm kind of mixed on it, because I really fucking liked it, but I could see how people would have issues with it. Um, some of the, the kill... Like, Ghostface? This is the first time I feel like he's not a fuck-up, if you know what I mean. Like watching him go through some of the earlier screen movies, it was almost like watching a fucking Scooby-Doo episode. You know, with like anytime somebody yeah. threw something in front of him, he was tripping over it. Or if they opened like a, a freezer door, he was getting nailed in the face. Uh, he felt fucking vicious. And like this, like the scene in the bodega that they kind of showed in the trailers. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's fucking awesome. It's one of the best scenes in the whole fucking franchise. At the same time though, this was the only scream I've ever watched where I was able to guess the fucking killers before I got to the fucking end. So I don't know if how that I don't know how to feel about that. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't know if there's any way like watching Scream two for the first time to figure out that it's gonna be Timothy Oliphant and that fucking um Laurie Metcalf is Mrs. Loomis. Like how the fuck how the fuck would you even Think to know you might be able to guess who they were, but you know why they were doing it. I don't. I don't think that's going on. Or, Scream Three, guessing that fucking Roman is her brother by you know Maureen Prescott. How the how the fuck are you supposed to figure that out without any fucking clues? So, uh, I don't know. But I figured, figured this out, so that kind of dilutes it a little bit for me.
2: Uh, my question is how how did it hold up without having. Um well, without our cat and like I'm drawing yep, a blank yep on Campbell. her, the other girl. Here we there we go, Jeez. Dude. It, uh, Is it
0: felt? You, I miss or? I miss Dewey. I miss Dewey's fucking theme song. We get we get a little thing of it from when, like one of the Courtney Cox scenes. Um, but yeah, it's felt for sure because like uh, they they make the sure to put in that you know. Um, uh Corny Cox is talking to uh, the the two girls from the the new main characters, and uh, she's like, th- she's like, Sydney called. She just wants to let you know that she's praying for you, but she's she's not coming. You know, she's got to get on with her life. I was like, that's fucking low. <laughs> that
2: <laughs> yeah. really is, because you, know, th- you know, a movie like this, you know, you're gonna make back the money, so just fucking pay. Nev a little bit for a small cameo and make everybody happy. I, I, I'm still annoyed with how that whole thing played out, but it's not my money. And so.
0: I'm I'm really interested in seeing what you guys feel when you've seen it because like I really enjoyed it, but the the two people I work with who saw it both like were shitting on it. They're like, oh, it's a fucking shitty movie. It's kind of an easy so, target. Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, any of any of them. I don't know. Any of them. Yeah. Um. And then I've been kind of, I wouldn't say going berserk, but having fun with your shutter subscription, Kent. Um, I watched this weird sci-fi horror thing called Blood Machines. And as I was watching it, all I could think of was like, Kevin, this is for you.
1: Blood machines, I'm in.
0: Um, Blood machines, I'm in. It's, I don't, dude. It was fucking weird. I, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe (laughs) it. It reminds me kind of of like if. Menos Cos- Cosmopolis did like a quick three-episode sci-fi horror thing for Shutter. Like it, it the style stylistically, it looks very similar to something that I I could see him doing. But the story is is fucking out there. It's weird. It's kind of doesn't make sense. But I'm glad I watched it just visually, for, and, and the music was pretty cool. If for nothing else, um, yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I was wondering why that was like. I don't know if it was like watch it again or something. I was like, did I watch this at some point? I so okay that that makes some sense. I, I'm happy that it's getting some use because I don't think I've used it since I got mad at Skinamarink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been also uh, going back and tr- finally getting a chance to watch Channel Zero. Uh, so oh. so I finally finished season one, which was interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I feel mixed on it. Like I liked some of the things and some of the things I think could have been done better. But I'm about three quarters of the way through season two, and season two is fucking awesome. So,
2: you know, I I I'm really curious what your take is once you finish season two. If yeah. Okay, so th- yeah.
0: thanks for running it for yeah. me. Ken. Now I know. Oh, it goes downhill, is what uh, you're saying?
2: No, because I I think you're past the point where I felt it went downhill. So you you might enjoy it more than I did. And then season three, I think, is the door, and I really really liked the door uh, season. I haven't seen the the fourth one. Um, so I yeah. I don't know. I'm really curious. I, I hope you do like it because, you know, uh, geez, what the hell is his name? John uh, Carroll Lynch. Yeah.
0: yeah, I was I was like, I saw him. I immediately thought, I was like, oh, I know can't watch this for sure then.
2: <laughs> and, and his daughter is, uh, I, I'm i doing horrible names tonight, but the daughter of some, was it Derof's daughter? It, no, Forsythe.
0: William Forsythe's daughter. Yeah. Forsythe,
2: okay. Yeah.
0: I didn't realize that, but yeah, I can see it now, now that I, I look at her.
2: Yeah. So have you ever seen Channel Zero, Kevin? It's no, I mean there are like six episodes. They're probably like forty, forty five minutes long. There's only six episodes per season, so you can easily get through it. Um and they're they're what, like creepy pastas? Yeah,
0: they're they're all based that, on creepy pastas. I
2: don't know.
1: I don't know, creepy pasta.
2: It's kind of just uh,
1: like like, like <laughs> what's creepy like like Urban legends,
2: kind okay. of like
0: Slender Man is a creepy, but, you know. It's it's oh, kind of okay. like I guess the be- easiest way for me to describe oh, it, which is probably inaccurate, is like community generated horror stories attempted to be turned into urban legends.
2: Yeah, it's a really uh, stupid name, though.
1: So like stuff. <laughs> Yeah, stuff twelve-year-old <laughs> girls look up on YouTube. Yes, that, that is
2: while while eating crazy Exactly. Wait what, what a Kevin.
0: Good good call. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm all about guilty pleasures.
0: I just I remember when it was coming out. Uh, well, when it was out, people yeah, were saying, man. you know, like, and I I don't know if Ken would agree with this, but it's definitely different. People would were saying that it was a better version of American Horror Story than American Horror Story was.
2: Right, and it just—it wasn't. It was just. I think American Horror Story was so mainstream that you always have the people that revolt against mainstream and are like, "Well, this is better." And mm, no, not not really. It's just a little different on a lower budget, significantly lower budget. Yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, they didn't. They definitely didn't have Ryan Murphy's budget.
2: But it, it's entertaining for what it is, and you know, like I said, you probably get through. Everything in about four hours per season.
1: So.
0: Yep, that's on Shudder. That's, on, that's
1: shutter. on Shutter. Okay, i and, check
0: it out. And that, that was it for me. That A was, that was all was it. I just wanted to, like, definitely want to recommend Blood Machines for you if you haven't seen it, Kevin. And, I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's worth talking about, but I think it's an interesting watch at least once.
2: Is this something I can watch with Raylene, or is she just going to roll her eyes and hate it? it
0: uh, it's out there. All right,
2: then I'll show, right, it. Then I'll show it to her. <laughs> Anything that she just, will hate, just, I am just, just all Just make about. sure you
0: tell her if Chris recommended. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, she, as it was, she was swearing at Kevin during possession, so it was cool.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, shit yeah well you should have you should have thought about that before you watched a Kevin pick <laughs> with your wife.
2: I regret nothing <laughs> so I mean, what did you watch Kevin
1: no okay so i so what I've seen uh recently uh I've seen four movies this year, and yesterday, I went to the theater and saw guardians of the galaxy three and we happened me and my stepfather went he wanted he wanted to see it a lot and so he wanted to see it in the theater and we did mother's day dinner and at like three o'clock and we were going to go to the four o'clock showing but we were kind of That would have been cutting it close. Also, my brother's birthday was yesterday, so we kind of do Mother's Day and my brother's birthday at the same time. So we ended up going to the 615 show, which was the 3D showing, and we kind of just went because of the timing of it all, and it was incredible. It was, I mean, like, the movie, I'd say it's like, you know, 8.5 out of 10, which is really good, I'd say, but like that's just the movie, but like with the special effects, it was, it was, it was a, it was an incredible experience. I'm not like big into the, the 3d thing, but I've seen three of them since avatar two. So I don't know. Is that six months. I've, I've seen theater. three, 3d movies. Kristen and I are the going to see that
0: next weekend. Uh,
1: yeah, it's, it's fun. I love James Gunn. I love the, the suicide squad that he did. And, uh, you know, I think, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. I thought it was going to be overrated because everyone loved it. I never heard of it, you know. It's like, oh, it's a Marvel movie. Like, I didn't really watch those movies at the time. So uh, when I did see it, I was like, whoa, holy shit, that's good. You know, it's only everyone has said it, but um, the second one, I think, doesn't. Uh, you know doesn't have that same oomph because you love guardians of the galaxy so much. So you're excited going into guardians of the galaxy Two is what my thing is. And guardians of the galaxy three. Um, so like the story is, is that, you know, uh, James Gunn gotten some trouble and Marvel kind of dropped them and they were going to make another guardians of the galaxy movie and the cast wouldn't do it without James Gunn. And so he kind of had this, well, fuck you, I can do whatever I want. Um, and he did, but it wasn't in a flagrant way. It, it worked really well. It, it's good. If you're going to go see it, It's I, I don't want to blow it up, but it is definitely one of the better Marvel movies, not only since Endgame, but I would say, you know, since Infinity War, and, you know, it's probably a top five. During, uh top five Marvel film for me. So uh, that was awesome. And uh, I'm excited for you to go see it. And uh, outside of that, I watched, um, I'll just talk about where I'm at in my collection recently. I think it was on Aronofsky last time. I uh, watched today Nightbreed because I'm on the bees. So Clive Barker, uh, which I saw that, not too long ago, a few months ago, for the podcast, as your pick, Chris, and uh, man, I still love it. It's a to, to bring it up for three podcasts in a row.
0: Oh, that warms Night my period. heart, Kevin.
1: So good. Um, yeah, <laughs> so good, <laughs> so good. Um, and uh, and then I watched uh, The Squid and the Whale by Noah Baumbach because my collection is I like it's a good representation of things I like. <laughs> hour and a half indie comedy uh, that is sad and hilarious. Uh, and then uh, I'm one more away from Michael Bay, which I am ridiculously excited about. So, I have almost all of his movies. So, yeah. that, that That's it for me.
2: Alright. Um, I, I haven't been watching a lot of movies. We had, like... The NFL draft—I don't know—almost a month ago now. At this point, the NBA playoffs have been happening, and I, I try to watch like every single game because it's kind of like my last little joy of basketball for months, and I, I do miss that stuff. Um, so between that and Dead Island Two, the video game coming out uh, at the at some point in April. And then Redfall recently coming out. So Dead Island Two is a zombie game. Redfall is a vampire game. I have been really busy, and then I had the idea to do the fucking spreadsheet. I have not gotten shit done. Like that—that's kind of been my life. And uh, movie-wise, I did show. Uh, I rewatched with Raylene, uh Old and. I can't remember the other movie that we just recently watched. Um, as far as anything new for me, the only thing is Infinity Pool, which... Chris, you haven't seen it, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet. It is... It... I don't want to say it's completely bonkers by any means. Like for For me, I liked the first third to first half of it better than I liked... Liked the latter parts of it, um, but there's still parts that I liked. It just, I, it really. This this is definitely a movie. I think Kevin can agree because he watched it. And him and I talked about it. This is really about a movie that is going to come down to your fucking personal taste in the movies. How how well you're really going to like it, and how much you want to, I don't know, read into it. Would you agree with that, Kevin?
1: Yeah, it's my favorite movie of the year. But to be fair, I've only seen four movies. But yeah, absolutely. I, Jamesy d- Wamesy Mia Goth kills it. Her performance she just grows on you more and more throughout the the movie. She's she's definitely you know I love Alexander Skarsgård, but she's the you know she's it, killing it. Right she's now. so yeah, she's she's killing it. That performance is is top notch It's it's a lot of fun i mean it, it the movie's it's such a mixed bag of things it's it's hard to put your finger on it 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 was uh yeah i've seen two movies in the theater one Guardians of the Galaxy and the other Infinity Pool and yeah it's it it's probably not it's going to be on the top of my list for a while but i don't you know it, it i don't know if it's going to make the top 10 at the end of the year but um it it definitely it could. It's gonna be on the top for a while because it's kind of that specific taste of films because it is Um It's a little bit bonkers, I guess, but not I guess you know, I guess maybe Mia Goth's character is more bonkers than the, the movie itself.
2: Yes. I mean they're
1: It's not, not as something- crazy as Possessor. No, no. Uh
2: it's it's I don't know. It's it's just a, its own flavor of ice cream, no doubt about it. Some people, sure. I like if you look at IMDb. There's like a lot of like eights to nines, and then there's like lots of ones and twos. Um, so it's kind of it's really a love it or hate it type of film, I, I think. Uh, and yeah, I find myself somewhere kind of in the middle. I, I liked it more than I disliked it. That's for sure. I'm I'm happy I bought it. Um, I bought it too. The Other thing I really wanted to bring up was, initially I heard a lot of good things about the new Evil Dead movie, but now that I've been like reading about it, it it sounds kind of like people are more disappointed in it than anything. Have you guys read more positive, or have you not read much or anything?
0: I've I've heard more positive and read more positive, but uh, yeah, like when it first came out and like all the reviews are coming out, people were fucking praising it, and now I will say that I have heard some negative shit more recently, but uh, the only person I know uh, in specific... I take that back. Of the two people I I was just talking about who both shit on Scream 6, one loved Evil Dead, one hated it. So... But the person who hated it loved the remake. The awful thing? Yeah, the the Fade Alvarez one. And the other one hated the remake. So, I mean, that should kind of give you an idea of where they're coming from?
2: Okay. It sounds like the location works. Like that was like the common thread in like a lot of the IMDb reviews was like people said the the location worked, but a lot of the complainers said it was kind of boring and plotting. Uh, they kind of expected more from it based on budget or whatever. So I don't know. Like at first, I kind of wanted to go to the theater and see it, but. I've tempered my expectations to a point where I'm just waiting for it to hit streaming at this point.
1: Yeah, I missed it, too. Um, I I have a friend who saw it, and he said, and I actually respect his opinion a lot. He introduced me to Possession. I think he told me about Bone Tomahawk. So, like, we have that. Um, I mean, he told me about Possessor, too. He was like, you should check out Possessor. You'd probably dig that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie's <laughs> definitely cool, so uh he said that it was fun it was bloody it was better as a horror film than an evil dead and it's kind of generally what i've heard that it you know it it works better as a horror film than an evil dead movie uh whatever whatever that means uh you know yeah people absolutely loved it the yeah. online chatter my movie groups and then there's the opposite toxic negativity towards it you know so you never you know it, I I was like I'm not going to go see it in the theater I kind of missed it if if uh it's playing in the drive-in and I get a chance to see it there I think that would be kind of cool um I do want to see it I'm I'm definitely interested in it um but yeah uh you know I don't know I I liked I liked the remake too but I saw that well after and heard good things about it and you know I like it but it's also kind of not an Evil Dead movie at the same time. Uh
2: without Bruce Campbell it just kind of exists.
1: Yeah, and just you know, it didn't have any of the I don't know. It it was meant to be more serious horror, which I feel like that's what I hear about Evil Dead Rise too. I, I feel like I don't hear that it's campy yeah. or or funny. It's meant to be a straight like I hear they they give up the blood. You know, and it's in the gore in it, so to some extent, yeah. So, I've heard same. um, I hear it's fun. So, I mean, really, if it's fun and it's entertaining, what more could you want, you know?
2: Right. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. All right. Um, that's all. yeah, that's all I, I got. I really haven't been very, been very, very in active watching. in my watching, but I will.
0: I will. All right. So there we go, people. Um, Next month we will be back and we are calling that the terrible twos podcast where we will be talking about our five favorite number twos in the series, either number two within the whole series or just the sequel to a two part series and our five most reviled number twos in the series. So, there you go. Kevin and Kent, it was a pleasure, as always. Oh Thank you guys for uh, not spamming us (laughs) with um, all of your opinions when we get them wrong. And uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: All right. Have a good night.